Hello and welcome to the Coffee Lovers Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Robertson with Coffee Lovers Magazine. And I'm joined today by co-hosts John Liberty and Jesse Nelson at Conduit Coffee. Hello. It's good to be here. Howdy, chaps. Yeah. Another week down, Joseph. Yeah. What do you have for us? What do you have for me? <laughs> <laughs> hold, on, hold on, let me drink. Uh, uh, let me drink the cup. What am I drinking anyway? That's our brand new Westlake Avenue blend. Yeah. Nice, rich, solid. Solid medium roast. I'm holding the coffee up to the microphone so that you can smell it. <laughs> if only. Um, but yeah, so this month I'm I'm working in the magazine on um, an issue all about baristas, so I kind of have that on the mind. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, hey, let's talk about what it's like being a barista these days. And well, Conduit, we did just recently host the Northwest Latte Art League event number six. Yeah. Of their seven event season, mm-hmm. which was really successful. It was really fun to show off our studio and really appreciate everybody coming out to that. It was mm-hmm. a good showing in the in the coffee community here. Yeah, uh, latte art is is uh, is pretty cool. And and the fact that there are competitions around it is, is um, I mean, I think that's something that most people aren't aware of. I mean, um, speaking with a number of people, I think it's pretty obvious that a general sort of view of baristas is that it's just like, that's the job you do before you find your real job. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is. A lot of it is like a lot of food service. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that are just serving things just to make an hourly wage and get it out there. But there's also a lot of people that take it very seriously and mm. can do some cool yeah, stuff with it. Career. Yeah. Um, so these guys, they're nice. And they do some amazing stuff with coffee mm-hmm. and coffee and milk, I should say. <laughs> this is very much focused on the aesthetics of the presentation, <laughs> not on the quality of the cup itself. Yeah. Overall. That's when we uh, right. get into the brewer side of things. I'm sure that those baristas that take Brewer's Cup seriously are going to sit there and say that they focus much more on flavor profiling of the coffee. Um, do they also, when hopefully. they do those competitions, so there's like um, you know, Brewer's Cup competitions, there's barista competition, like overall barista competitions, do they include like um, in those competitions art as well? Like is that a factor? Um, it's The presentation is certainly a factor. Yeah. I mean, so often they have, you know, I'm, they have a lot of judges that are that are judging on the technical aspect and how well they're cleaning the bar and how well the shots are coming and all sorts of aspects behind the scenes. And then there's judges that judge on the presentation itself and the final outcome and the flavors and, and all that. Um, yeah, so definitely, I mean, the competitions I've been a part of, you know, it's not necessarily focused on the art. And you're not going to lose if you mess up, but mm-hmm. they generally all want to be served consistently with the same basic pattern. So yeah. you see a lot of like, especially because it's a cappuccinos is the, the milk drink that they usually make. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so they, you know, it's a little thicker milk, so it's not real. Well, thicker milk and there's more of a, a equal balance between the espresso right. and the milk. Very high standards too on the six ounces. Yeah. Um, six ounce beverage. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, I'm sure there's a point or two that are deducted if you don't have an aesthetically nice looking drink. Uh, you definitely want like a, you know, a little heart with a tulip on those it. Those simple. You know, in general just sound way more. I mean, I think I watched, uh, is it Pete Licata? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, was that last year yeah. that he won? Yeah. I think I watched that one on YouTube and, and his presentation is, <laughs> it's flawless. It's amazing. It is incredible. It's the bald head and the beard. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> that's the look you're going for yeah, now, John? Yeah, that's what it is. The that's Pete what Licata. it is. I have pictures of him up in my bathroom right next to my mirror. <laughs> All right, John, John and Pete, Pete with their uh, the milk in their mustache. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if there was a Got Milk commercial for a barista competition, I mean, 
that seems like if it's hand in hand, we probably go through more milk in a day than somebody that has cereal in the morning. <laughs> You know, yeah, I would, I would think so. <laughs> you know? But I mean, how much you milk and I you went through a today? gallon of milk today. <laughs> yeah, <and> drink <laughs> one drink out of it. Yeah, so, probably. Yeah, just maybe two. I had, envious you know? of these amazing artists and trying to practice. Of course, yeah. Plus, the milk's starting to go bad, so we got to use it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, John, you you've recently uh, worked as a barista. Yeah, that's correct. What's it like being a barista these days? Um, it is what you make of it, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, if you take your job seriously and you have a little bit of uh, want and drive to uh, making a quality product and presentable to the customer, you can have a lot of fun with it. Um, there's a lot of great conversations that happen over the bar. Yeah, find out what customers like, how they like it. They like it a certain way in the morning. They like it a certain way in the evening. Um, you can... Take that for what it's worth. If you're going to go in there and just make some drinks and uh, collect a check and go home, well, then that's what you're going to do. If you're going to take it seriously and make it a, a you know, a career choice for yourself, then you're going to take time to learn about the coffees. I, I mean, I took great pride in maybe being able to educate the customers on specific coffees for retail purchase over making their drinks mm. but Brisa's are mixologists they're just like a bartender they uh, get a play with uh, the flavors and the viscosity of the coffee mm. which plays a big part in how your coffee looks how it tastes and how the customer receives it mm. you know you will yep. always have a customer that asks for something out of the norm it's can you make that and keep the customer happy while still sticking within right. the range of what you consider quality. And you're using really good coffee at your previous. Yeah, job. yeah, we were um, using great coffee, great milks. Um, you know, and that good coffee really demands that you have quality baristas yeah. pushing it. I and mean, that's that's the struggle as you know wholesalers in this coffee world is really having a product we love and then being able to share that and trust that the baristas at the other end that the entire beautiful process of coffee leading up to that point is going to be you know going to be made well and it's, mm -hmm. it's so that's that's the challenge it seems like the the cafe would have a huge impact I, mean, I imagine if if i was looking to uh be a barista as a, as a career i would become uh most interested in in the cafe that i was working for yeah i trying to find one that Oh yeah, because you can only do so much <laughs> in exactly. a place. And this, it's such a huge variety of, of business styles in these cafes and people uh, that sell coffee. Just it's, it's as much as variety as there are different customer mm -hmm. you know, impressions of what they want. Well, I think that the owners they they have either. Uh, I mean, obviously, they want to make money and stay open, and them doing that is what's going to create those jobs for the baristas to be there um, on any given day. Most baristas that care can walk into any uh, roaster or any coffee lab and be accepted into the fold as far as uh, allowed to work with the machinery and the coffee that's on hand. Uh, but there's also a uh, an owner where they need a coffee sometimes that uh, doesn't require a lot mm -hmm. out of the employees. They want something that pulls smooth. Uh, that it's a quality drink that 
you know, it's baristas for dummies. You know, it's it's the simple way. <laughs> baristas um, for dummies. Yeah, it's, it's just it's the simple Dummy way of going. Dummy and simple coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, well, that's the essence of a good like workhorse espresso. When you yeah. hear that term is is a coffee that's good and across the spectrum in different mm-hmm. styles and different mm-hmm. moods of people. And you, know, you can't have a real finicky coffee that you know it just takes time. It takes a lot of skill. There's certainly a balance there. Yes. Uh, I forget, Jesse. Did you uh, did you start off as a barista somewhere, or did you just kind of dive into roasting? I dove into roasting in the home roasting aspect, yeah. uh-huh. and I you know I'm still fascinated by the agricultural product side of coffee and mm-hmm. how we connect via food. I think that's that's still the most interesting to me. But once you know we decided we we're going to get professionally into this, and I had worked on some bars and I knew my way around a machine, but I'd never really gone into it and done full shifts and you know, for a long period of time, you really worked on a busy bar serving a lot of customers. You know, that's an aspect of it. And I really value working at the whole range of, of different shops and different styles and kind of what to expect as a, as a roaster now and, you know, how to handle people that have different ideas of how mm-hmm. my coffee should be served versus. So it's it's good compromise. You all do some training, right? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we try and do as much training as we can. Um, it's funny how hard that is to get that message across that we actually do do training. Mm-hmm. We train people at Conduit Coffee. Do do training. Do do training. We do 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 training. I don't know. Yes. Duck. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're having problems getting the message across. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Maybe we should try teaching people about milk yeah. training. It's not do do training. No. <laughs> stutter, stutter. Yeah. No, it's a, I mean, I think that a lot of places don't realize that it's even available out there. Yeah. I think that if people train on this. Yeah. They don't know. I mean, we run into this all the time with small accounts that they don't even know that there would be such of a services training. Mm-hmm. You know, they get these machines and they think it's going to be easy. And then they realize that espresso is, you know, espresso is a far most yeah. difficult coffee related machinery to use. I've certainly seen cafes where they'll get a new barista in uh, and they have that person pulling espresso shots like their first or second day mm-hmm. and then that's what they do and mm-hmm. and i watch them and i i i've only done a couple espresso shots in my life pulled shots in my life and i actually put the grounds in the thing tamp it down put it in the thing i've heard uh, of that yeah yeah i thought you might have heard of that <laughs> well you had a really so, interesting experience with diva coffee right was where they put you on bar but only on espresso shots they had a great training and a lot of the uh, the yeah. best way to practice coffee is is with customer demand mm-hmm. and so i was working at one of their busier locations and um i had pulled some shots before but certainly not in that climate and they just you know he just quizzed me basically you know how many shots can i pull in a minute or 10 minutes and mm-hmm. just keep going 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 and as a customer needed a shot then he'd pull nice ones that came out yeah. and that kind of you know that kind of support from a company that's also willing to waste waste and yeah. Quotation marks, everybody. Waste, air quotes. air quotes, yeah. Uh, willing to put forward, you know, two or three pounds of coffee or more mm-hmm. just to help somebody train. Yeah. Because it makes it that much better. And seriously, I mean, I learned more in that first 10 minutes serving espresso and what espresso should look like and consistency of tamp mm-hmm. than I have any other time. And, yeah. um, I mean, the manager himself was also really good at, at making sure that right. we're doing it right. And, mm-hmm. uh, but it was, so it wasn't quite full immersion into the whole making of coffee, but you know, gradually working in and also working and moving the lines because that's most of what you're going to, most of the money to be made in the cafe is by serving numbers of people, not in right. the value of the drinks you're serving. You know, so at, especially with a place like 
that cafe. It's, uh, mm. so it's that um, consistently there's that balance in, in the cafes where, uh, you know, if you have the interest in this really fine crafted coffee and, and, uh, and, and you want to express the art of that and, and that sort of thing, you have to balance against the fact that you need to sell, you know, Right. Several hundred of those in uh, a couple hour rush or whatever. If you can't, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, what numbers cafes go through. Um, it was so. remarkable. I mean, some of these busy bars, and I've, I've worked at them, and I have friends that work at some of these, and you know, they, they can make four or five drinks at the same time. There'll be a line out the door with two machines going, and they'll just rock that, and it's like yeah. they're playing instruments at that point. I mean, you <laughs> really are using those ridiculously expensive machines to their full capacity. Yeah. Um, and that's what espresso was designed for. Espresso was designed to serve concentrated caffeine to the working class in Italy. I mean, that's where they came up with the idea of, of making it. It wasn't, it wasn't trying to make the most beautiful coffee and, and, and serve it in this you know, nice porcelain and have people enjoy it and discuss it. It was how do you get you know, 300 people on their shift break you know, to come over and, and get coffee as quick as they can. So that's why that stand-up culture you know, really developed and, and you know, Italy is beautiful in that way. I think we've missed a lot of the Italian coffee culture. Here, we focus a lot more on Italian espressos and well, espresso blends that we have. My understanding is the coffee in Italy is not particularly good either. I mean, they put, they put sugar in their espresso, which... There's good coffee in Italy. There is sure. good coffee. There is definitely good coffee in Italy. They're, and by far, the standard of their coffee yeah. is way better than it the is? standard okay. of our coffee. Okay. Yeah. You don't go to every shop in Italy. It's like, man, this is way better than you know, Milstead or Stumptown. Like, it's not like that because it's a totally different cool cultural right. scene. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's really, I think, there's so much opportunity to bring American style coffee, roasted, you know, more of a roasting side, but American style <clears throat> coffee to a place like Italy. Yeah. But then you run into the mob, so you know, yeah. missing digits mm. coffee. What about uh, uh, opening up a place that that really focuses on that Italian style here? Uh, yeah, I mean. Oh, it'd be so much fun. I mean, I think I think that's a missed opportunity, and they people tend to focus on kind of the, the Starbucks model of, of. Is Blue Bottle kind of doing that? Probably Blue Bottle's I doing mean, a little we're... bit of everything these days. <laughs> <laughs> Buy some of this and sit on some of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we we I, we could talk about Blue Bottle. It'll probably all be clear by the time this. Yeah, oh, I'm just thinking how long it's going to take you to edit this. We could do a separate update. Yeah, we could. We could just yeah. edit out this whole little clip. Oh, jeez. I'm not going to edit that out. No, we're not. just going to keep the claps in. What are these guys doing? Oh, boy. They clap every That's time they take a drink. That's part of the... Billy Joe. We can do that at some point. Where's my spoon set? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that while... I got my washboard. While I'm uh, in uh, Thailand. Yeah, but the stand-up, you know, I think that's one thing. They focus on here... You know, what I've seen, especially in Seattle, is they focus on the Starbucks model where you have to have this kind of nice places for people to come and sit and sort of have business meetings. And they don't really focus on the fact that you can serve really nice quality coffee in smaller containers. I mean, we're obsessed with big containers. That's, mm-hmm. that's yeah, part of that's it. a big problem. And that's probably the, one of the biggest differences in our cultural caffeine consumption. It but is. Having that quick little bar with little drinks where you don't really sit down, you get to know people and you sit there for a few minutes and then you head on out. You know, you save, you just stall porcelain, you have a nice communication and then you move on. Well, the funny thing about these big drinks is, is you're not consuming any more caffeine unless you're actually asking for right. extra shots of coffee. Right. We've created a coffee culture based around drinking volumes and volumes of milk. Um, you know, that's not that's not a that's not a coffee culture. 
That's a warm milk culture. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, and my favorite thing when I was a child was to drink some warm milk before going to bed. I can't <laughs> imagine how many people are just sleepy, sleepy, sleepy after, you know, having Six. 20 ounces of warm of milk. Whole milk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then going, I don't know why I'm not losing weight, you right. know, or why I can't, you know, pro- well, you know, process lactose. And I have a milk expert friend, um, and she really advocates... I think she still does that we might, you know, part of our lactose intolerance that's growing in this country is actually from people consuming too much overcooked milk, you know, that the fat proteins change in that. And so our bodies can't process it as much. So it recognizes that change and then starts just projecting all milk and that turns into a lactose intolerance. Um, and I really, you know, I think we drink too much milk. I think that it's made incorrectly and it's not very tasty, you know, and, and it's just general overconsumption in general. In general, overconsumption. In general. I like my cappuccino. <laughs> I know. I have my. Uh, the great thing about that is when you order a cappuccino, I just give you a traditional cappuccino. I don't ask you what size. I don't ask right, exactly. you for it to go. I pour it into porcelain, and it's going in about a six ounce cup. That's funny. And I don't it's... know what to say when I when I go to a place and I ask for a cappuccino, and they say what size? <clears> because yeah. a cappuccino is just a cappuccino. And they're like eight, twelve, sixteen. Yeah, right? I'm like, no, not a latte, ounce. a yeah. cappuccino. Yeah. Oh, like a foamy latte. <laughs> cappuccino is probably the most difficult drink to make. Not only technically, but there's there's yeah. so many there's very traditions. specific traditional recipe from Italy. And then there's just this wishy-washy Americanized version of it. And nobody really knows what a cappuccino is. Yeah. So when we're training people and we have to train them what drinks to make and how they make them, it's really hard to describe, like, look, here's a traditional cappuccino. You need to know how to make this. And a proper barista will make a really darn good, six-ounce, beautiful cappuccino. Mm. That being said, you're always going to get customers that want their 12-ounce cappuccino. And... That's not really cappuccino at that point, you know, and you just kind of have to either just try and educate them or let them slide and make what it make what it is. I admire some of these new companies that are just putting their foot down saying, nope, this is what the drink is Mm -hmm. and you don't get to choose. Well, I mean, either the company comes out with a product and says, this is what we sell, Mm -hmm. you know, and there might be some dietary concerns when it comes to milk or no milk. But I mean, you don't go to a place that says we sell steak and go. Can I just have the carrots? Why would you go and spend your money, <laughs> say, you know, to a well, place like saying, a, well, why, why, why can't we have this? Um, I'm a vegetarian and I'm in your, in your, in your restaurant saying I need a vegetarian meal. You know, it's great if you can accommodate it to some sense, but I don't see any problem with a coffee shop saying, these are the sizes we offer. These are the cups we've purchased. We can't accommodate this order. I, you know, I right. appreciate that. That's what you mm-hmm. want. But, you know, there are plenty of coffee shops, especially in Seattle, that will accommodate a 20-ounce latte. Right. But it depends on your clientele. Yeah. It yeah. depends on where you are. I mean, we talk about this a lot with new new places that are opening, too, is that, you know, you can have an idea for the type of coffee shop you want, but you won't be able to finalize that until you know exactly where it's going to go. And you, the suburban idea of large mm-hmm. drinks, when you bring that into Capitol Hill, people aren't going to drink 20 or 24-ounce drinks, you know, but they might out you know, in, uh, in some of the other suburban places. So it's just habit. And it's really important that new businesses recognize that. And I'm looking at this list of the five big mistakes that baristas make. And it must not, must not be in, uh, yeah, in, in any specific order because the ones on the bottom of the list seem to be much more important than some of the ones on the top of the list. Well, because they actually mistakes. Had, what do you got? 150 mistakes. <laughs> so you just pick five <laughs> out of that. Five of them. <laughs> you know, um, 
I don't like these list things, but yeah, oh, it's from uh, Barista HQ. It's you know, all right, well-known website, I guess. <laughs> I found what, it. What's your list? <laughs> yeah, what's yours, sir? Uh, so this is the list of uh, five five big mistakes. Weaker cold coffee. Um, obviously, that's going to be a bad one, no matter who, either working with it yeah. or serving it in in the consumption of it. Uh, the wrong type of milk. Use utilizing the wrong milk. Uh, a customer asks for feff free. Oh, like mis- oh yeah, I'm yeah. forgetting these are yeah. mistakes. Yeah. yeah, these are mistakes. <laughs> yeah, um, good, good coffee, but bad attitude. You know, bad attitude with a barista is I a think very bad attitude thing. is a mistake. Anyway. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially since we're all over caffeinated. You can just call you it as human well mistakes. Be, yeah, exactly. Um, overheated milk. You know, right? Um, that's mm. that's that's definitely a bad. Some one. people. Ask. I'm going to keep interrupting you. Here. Yeah. Uh, some people ask for you know extra hot or yeah, whatever in right. their latte. Yeah. And that's just uh, that's a bad idea. I had yeah. I had a customer that always he came in every single day and always wanted a 16 ounce quad shot, extra hot, mm-hmm. no foam latte. Yeah. Pretty standard. Except he would want it like milk skim foaming on top, like mm. just like as hot as you're legally Ooh. allowed to serve something. Yeah. And, it was weird, that's and every problem. single day, and that's where I think you're going to. Was it because of the, the heat of of like the the coffee being warm long enough, or did he like the taste of burnt? Routines milk? are routines are routines addictive. Are, yeah, yeah. So that's what's number five. Yeah, that's that's four of them. Okay, all of them five bad. Five, I think, is the most important, and it tells you that if you're a good barista or not. It's not if you can make the drink well. It's dirty machines. Oh God! It's the quality of the oh. cleanliness of the area that you're working in. Mm. You know, I mean, there are restaurants that give it A, B, C, D, right. or your closed, you know, sign on on every window. And we've got coffee shops where, I mean, I'm naming well, names, but I have definitely seen dried milk on steam wands. That, it happens. And yeah, I mean, mm. it's a bad, bad thing. And a, a good barista is going to not only recognize that his surface areas or her her surface areas are dirty, but also that the coffee's integrity is being, you right. know, worn down by a dirty machine, an uncared for area. Exactly. And, uh, and you're dealing with machines that cost as much as cars, yeah. you know, and the disregard that people have. And this is where I come back to what I said before, that espresso machines are, you know, the most complicated tool to brew coffee with. And people just kind of often will buy them thinking that everybody needs an espresso machine without understanding that. You know, it's an expensive machine. Yeah, and needs servicing. 202 yeah. degrees at 125 PSI is pretty remarkable engineering. Mm-hmm. And it also brings out all the faults of the barista and all the faults of the coffee yeah. and everything in between. And and they they keep they keep trying to make this coffee and they don't understand they don't understand enough about coffee and how the dynamics of that machine are gonna be affected. Yeah, so when you have a dirty screen, you know, back flushing. We talked yeah. about this a lot oh, in our man. training. Every couple hours, even if you're busy or not, you just got to take that. And back flushing is where you, you take fresh water and just you have a uh, just a, a porter filter instead of the screen that, that blocks the water. So it, it mm-hmm. hits that and basically flows back through the valves and, and just kind of keeps the water flowing all mm-hmm. that. And it helps clean some of the oils off. It gets them all warm and helps clean them off. Random coffee grounds that are getting stuck in the um, screens. Yep. Cleans off the gaskets and things around there so that the, when the coffee's up inside the machine. So it just creates a better seal. And, and just like... I mean, things get stale, you know. And those things aren't expensive things. A blank insert for your portafilter is $8. Like, yeah. You know. We uh, give them to people. Yeah. I mean, if someone, if one of my clients doesn't have one, it's like, oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah. take ours. Yeah. What do you mean you don't Please. have one of these? When's the yeah. last time you did this to your machine? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, and there, there, there is your opening of the machine. I mean, you, everything is a step-by-step process to making good quality drinks. And if you don't, if you don't start off with a clean machine, how are you ever expected to give a clean cup of coffee out? Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't go to a carpenter, you know, some fine woodworker and walk into his shop and be like, oh, God, there's just dirty, wet wood all over the place. You know, it's going to be swept up and cleaned and the tools are going to be in good, sharp order and handy and organized. I mean, that's just what quality craftsmanship is. And darn it, everybody needs to make better coffee. Yeah, Yeah, I don't really care whose coffee you use as long as you're making it to the best of its ability. Right. And it's really fun when you find a coffee company they don't particularly enjoy for various yeah and then somebody makes you a good drink out of it yeah you find another spot and it's like oh shoot i'll go back like that kind of redeems Uh that company for me i've gone back some of these larger companies Mm -hmm. were agreeing to keep nameless yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know i'll actually go back and give the baristas an extra tip if it's like holy cow man you just you know you just Mm -hmm. saved your company yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's two dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for all the listeners, it's also so important. And if you get a chance to do some training or get behind the scenes of how a latte is made, you understand why it's really important to tip a dollar on a latte drink and why it's so silly that you tip a dollar on a beer, for instance. Yeah. Sorry to all our bartender friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but just the amount of work yeah. and the effort and the training yeah. and the cleaning and the routines and all this stuff that goes into that, it's so important that recognize it well, they're not I, just ordering a cup of coffee yeah. they're, they're ordering this well i find that the percentage when it comes in back to the tipping issue i mean it comes out it's it's about right most of most cost uh, coffee customers tip about 20 percent on a drink which i think is really remarkable when we're only talking about an item that's three dollars or four dollars and that the prices have been kept pretty cheap and quite honestly they can go into one place, get a great drink, go into the same place following day, have a different breeze to make it, and have it not be as good or satisfying to them. Right. And that's all in, you know, so John, attributed as a to training, though. You know? Should we have a tip jar? Like, how should we, how do you reward customers? Or, or how do you reward, as a customer, how do you reward baristas that, that give a damn about it? Other than just yeah. knowing that ahead of time and tipping them when you get your drink. I mean. Yeah. Do you put the tip jar after they get the drink? Right. Is that, I mean. You know, are we going back to uh, Yelp reviews? Like some sort of barista ranking? I, I would say, I mean, uh, this is this is a bit extensive, but if you go to uh, a cafe regularly mm-hmm. and there's a barista there that, that you really like the work that they do, you can get to know them and find out, you know, what their goals are and help them personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a. That would that's be really nice. That's a you mean you want us to participate in this community? Mm-hmm. What are what can is I that? just buy off my appreciation? Like, <laughs> can I just throw my change in a jar and go about my day yeah. with coffee? Yeah, you can, and that's I think that's better than not throwing your change in a jar, right? Maybe I'm you have tips based on the ranking that customers can do for you, <laughs> you know, and that the yeah. store. I don't know. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a whole nother kettle. Of yeah. Fish, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, podcast but, uh, four thousand and two. Podcast yeah. next podcast. Hold on. Podcast next podcast. Podcast next podcast. Is that finally the name? <laughs> Welcome to podcast next podcast. <laughs> tune in inable next week. Yeah, tune inable. Tune inable. Uh, next week. Yeah, you're not gonna be done with this next week. <laughs> I'm not gonna be done with any of them. But we should probably. It is the year uh, thirty thirty. Figure out how to wrap up things. Yeah. We don't really. I mean, we don't have a good way to start. We don't have a good way to end. We can just kind of peter out and oh, there it is. That's yeah. what the fader switch is for. You just keep it's like talking. people just come in. Oh, someone's at the door. Oh, there we go. 